We're going to be over in the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 42 is where we'll begin. The teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on a magnet. What it does. All the ins and outs about a magnet. Things you can use it for and such like that. Spent the whole day, whole lesson on the magnet. The next day, she gave a written test. and She included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M and I pick up things. What am I? When the grades were all in, the teacher was astounded to find out that half the kids in the class answered mother. <laughs> yeah, mothers do do that, don't they? Well, it's good to have all the moms here and the children next door are working on some things. Jeremiah chapter 42. We'll eventually get over there. We're actually going to look at a few other scriptures here first as we lead up to that. But that's where we're going to, to be. Last week, last couple of weeks... Two weeks ago, we looked at Ahab. Last week, we looked at Jeroboam. In this Faithful and True series, we saw that Ahab was just not happy with what he had, and he had to have something else. Because he wanted something else, nothing else that he had meant anything to him. And he was not faithful to the things of God. He was faithful to his own desires and the things that he wanted. Last week, we took a look at Jeroboam, and we saw that God gave him a list. Do these things. Here it is. Just do this, do this, do this. And what will happen? I'll make of you an enduring house. So all he had to do was put that list up on his refrigerator. And every time he'd go in there for a glass of milk to eat with the Oreo cookies, he'd be reminded, Oh yeah, I need to do these things. If I do this, God will make me an enduring house. And really the things that he told him to do weren't any different than he told you and I to do. They were pretty similar on that. And you can find other places in the Word of God where it says things like this. But what he told Jeroboam was, heed all God's commands, walk in all His ways, do what is right in God's sight, keep His statutes and commandments. And then he gave him an example, as David has done. Then I, or God, will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. So all he had to do was be faithful to those things. But as soon as he gets in office... As soon as he becomes king, some other thoughts come in and he begins to not focus on what God said. He begins to focus on what's coming up on the inside of him. If the people keep going down to Jerusalem, they're going to eventually forget about why they got mad at the house of David. They're going to leave you. They're going to kill you. And they're going to head on off and, and you'll, be, you'll be dead and no enduring house for you. So he decided to do something different. Came up with his own religion. Came up with his own feast days. Came up with his own priests. He came up with places to worship, made the golden calves. And how did Israel do that? And uh, God wasn't too happy about all that. But this week, we're going to be over here in Jeremiah chapter 42. Last week, we we're looking at being satisfied. This week, we're looking at being patient. We all like being patient, don't we? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our Father God. You will notice that these three things get teamed up quite often. Faith, love, patience. Those three things get teamed up quite a bit. And then a lot of times you see this fourth thing thrown in, joy and hope. Sometimes joy is put in there. Sometimes hope's put in there. Once in a while you'll see both put in. But faith, love, and patience, you especially see those three elements teamed up quite often. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience 
of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know that hope is the substance of things, or faith is the substance of things hoped for. And that when our, when our love is full, we have joy. Faith works with love. Faith works with patience. Faith produces joy. Faith comes out of hope. So all these things really work quite a bit, quite a bit in, in with each other. But let's look at some other scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and, and gentleness. Flee these things, but pursue righteousness, gentleness, faith, love, patience. Faith, love, patience. Ever see those three things turn up again? In Titus chapter 2, verse 2, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Sound in faith, in love, and in patience. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, my brethren, count on all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It produces patience. Patience is not something we ask God for and God gives us. Remember the disciples said, increase our faith. They wanted faith to be something. They just asked God for and God just give it to them. Here's more faith for you. Oh, good. Here it is. Well, faith doesn't come that way. Patience doesn't come that way either. God doesn't just give you patience. And of course, I just love hearing people talk about, well, I prayed for patience. All I got was trials and temptations and problems and God's just working. I'll get rid of that mentality. Here's what he says. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It is the testing of your faith. There's something about the testing of your faith that produces patience. And that's what you need. There's a church that used to have a prayer request turned in and the pastor would read over one and he was writing about one of his favorites. This is from Jennifer. I pray for wisdom to understand my man. Love to forgive him. Patience for his moods. Because Lord, if I pray for strength, I'll beat him to death. (laughs) Sometimes our prayers aren't quite there, are they? We can't just sit there and pray, Oh, God, give me patience. Oh, God, love the poor. No, patience is produced. Patience is produced. You gotta work out your faith. You gotta get in there and work it out. You don't get muscles because you want to. You don't get muscles because you pray for them. You don't get the, the ability to endure physical stamina, have physical stamina because you want to. You get there because you work out. Running, walking, things like that produces stamina. Lifting weights produces what? Muscle. If you want more muscle, you gotta lift more weights. If you're not lifting any, you gotta lift some. If you're lifting some, you gotta lift more. If you're lifting more, you gotta do, you gotta increase. The only way that you can get to that spot is by, by increasing. Don't you just love those magazines they put out there? You know, they put some, uh, some guy on there, he's got a huge chest, large arms, defined abs, and the cover will say something like six minute abs. Like that guy spent six minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. And you think, oh, I can look like that in six minutes. No. <laughs> you got to spend some time. If you want to have muscles like that, if you want to have faith that endures, you have to spend some time. And faith produces patience. 
Faith without patience, folks, is a problem. We're not really having it. Got to have that patience part. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 3-4, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. See, there's some endurance. They have, they're working this thing out. You want to get patience? You want to have faith? Work it out. Have some places to work it out. That's why you count it all joy. Ah, here's the gym. How many of you like it when a gym opens up and it's one block away? Oh, yeah. Right down the street. I can walk there. Oh, that's so much easier than, than having to travel a distance, isn't it? And then you have the idea, you know, watching those infomercials. If I just had one of those things in my basement, I'd be there all the time. And you were for the first week. But then, you know, it got to be a tr- uh, struggle to get changed and go on down all that whole flight of steps into the basement. Right? If you wanted pizza, it'd be no problem going down to the freezer down the basement. But all the way down to the basement and then working out and come all the way back on up. And then you had to get a shower. Oh, man, that's, you know, that's extra time. And that's not going to produce much in you, is it? See, as Christians, we're not always patient to work through some things that will produce more. More endurance. More faith with working through patience. And so as soon as the storm hits, we have a limit. We can only do so much. We were watching one, uh, one of those storm story things. It wasn't actually a storm story. Or the, sometimes I like to watch some of those, those stories. But this is one actually how to prepare for storms. And they were showing you different things you can do to make your roof stronger. To make it endure more. And the special kind of screws that you can get that, that help uh, hold the roof on during the storm a little bit better. Well, when you're in the midst of a storm, you like a roof that endures. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you, if you decided to hang out. And stay there. You want something to endure. Well, God wants your patience, your, your faith to endure when all this stuff is thrown at you. So Paul writes about these guys. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Well, he won't, they wouldn't have faith with patience if they weren't enduring the persecutions. If they kept bailing out, it wouldn't be working for them. Second Thessalonians 3 Verse 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. There's an endurance that we need to have. Turn over to Hebrews. Or just look up on the screen. We're still going to get back over there to Jeremiah. But in Hebrews chapter 6, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish that you do not linger upstairs and not go downstairs to work out on the machines. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what sluggish would be? I have the ability to work out, but I'm choosing not to. I'm becoming sluggish. I'd rather sit here on the sofa with the potato chip bag, watching the TV, working my fingers on the remote control. That's sluggish. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. These are the ones you're supposed to imitate. The ones who, through faith and patience, inherit the promise. Thank God for for people out there that you can imitate. 
It's good to have people to imitate. It's good to have people that went on before. My son's getting ready to go down and work out with some, some of his friends and then go to the basement. And so we were getting to talking about stuff. I says, uh, we're talking about workout scenes in movies. How many remember some workout scenes in movies? You may not be mindful of them, but I used to love workout scenes. And there's one in particular that I love. That's my favorite workout scene in a movie. And so I started telling them about it. And after a while, they caught on as to what it was. But uh, I think we were trying to figure out which Rocky it was. I think it was Rocky Four. Rocky Four is that the one where he fought the Russian? Yeah, that's the all right. He had some of the best workout scenes. No equipment, just in a barn. And my favorite scene is when he's in there in the second, like the loft area, and the going guy's got his feet and he's doing these inverted sit-ups. I love inverted sit-ups. I don't know about you. You probably don't dream about them. I used to dream about inverted sit-ups. Oh, love inverted sit-ups. And so they'd hold him up there and he'd be doing these sit-ups and the music's playing in the background. Inverted sit-ups is when you're hanging upside down or in some way you are inverted. That's what you're basically doing. And he would, uh, I think he had a weight that he would be, he would, uh, and I got that idea. Oh, weights. Weights and inverted Oh, this is a great idea. I got up to where I could do 50 pounds in an inverted sit-up. Not doing that right now, but you know, finding a place to do them was always hard. But but he'd be doing that, and then somebody, the guy up on top, they had one guy be holding his feet, and the other guy be punching him. And so they'd be punching him while he's doing. Oh, if you don't get psyched to work out watching that, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I put that on, got that music in the background. I mean, that's just good workout. You just watch that and then go on down and work out. Oh, y'all like that one of the the uh, the steps, the Rocky the. The, the art museum steps. I mean, come on. We've ran up some steps. Rocky Four is much better. <laughs> anyway, you got to get out. You got to get yourself psyched up. You got to have some people out there. Some people out giving you examples. And just like you can have some of those things give you some examples and, and what you want to do, you've got people who have patiently endured and received the promise patiently endured and received the promise. Those are the folks you need to put out there. Verse 13, For whom God, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. How long did he patiently endure? Now understand, he was not always patiently enduring. It took 25 years for that baby to be born from the time the promise was first made. But he was not always patiently enduring. There were times he gave up on that patience and his faith relaxed. And they said, well, maybe I'll I'll have a baby this way. And he got frustrated with God and there was times that he just wasn't doing it at all. I mean, just because you just because you don't have it yet doesn't mean you're patiently enduring. There were times God said, "I'm going to do this." Yeah, right. Uh huh. Yeah, it's been a while, God. I got an heir over there, guy in Damascus. I guess he'll be my heir. No, 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 not him. One coming from you. So he didn't always patiently endure, but eventually got to that place, and he was patiently enduring. That's where you got to be. Just because it's not here, and just because you're waiting. And just because you're still praying doesn't mean you're necessarily patiently enduring. We've got to look at how these guys did it. Did Joseph Joseph patiently endure? 
A lot of years he did, didn't he? Just kept whatever. He was faithful with what he was given to do all the time. Always stayed faithful with it. Didn't get to that place and said, you know what? I'm going to stop being faithful. Been faithful for 20 years now. I've had it. God, if you're not willing to answer after 20 years, well, I'm not willing to do it anymore. He didn't do that. He kept on going. So what is patience? patient endurance? Faithfulness in thought, words, and actions. Faithfulness in thought, words, and actions. Eyes on the promise, veering neither to the left or to the right by distress, distractions, or delays. That's faithfully enduring. You've got some distressful situations that come upon you. You've got some distractions, some things that come up and say, maybe you can get the promise of God this way. Maybe your faith will be answered this way. You've got some distress because some things are coming down and if you don't pay this now and if this doesn't happen now and you've got some delays... I've been waiting for the promise of God, been waiting for the promise of God, been waiting to get healed, been waiting for it's it's not coming. They can move you off. Faithfulness in thought, words, and actions, eyes on the promise, veering neither to the left or to the right by distress, distractions, or delays. That's patient endurance. That's staying on. Every time a distraction comes in your life, this is an opportunity to work out. Every time distress comes into your life, this is an opportunity to work out. Every time it seems like Promise isn't coming. There's a delay. This is an opportunity to work out. This is an opportunity to take that faith and work patience with it. Produce patience in your life. Fear is anxious. Fear is anxious. Faith is patient. But fear is anxious. When I have fear that rises up in me, I'm I'm anxious. Oh, if God doesn't answer by next week, Oh, I better make a decision on this fast. Oh, this, this, I better do this. And it, we're anxious. As soon as you start to feel anxiety come up on you, just know, I'm not in faith. I'm over in fear. Because I'm fearing something that's going to happen. How many of you have gotten in fear just this week? You got anxious about something. Oh, I better make all oh, this better. Oh, what happened? Don't do it. You lost your opportunity to work out. Take it back again. Just get on back in there. Thank God you missed a workout on Monday. You can work out on Tuesday. You can still go on down there and do that. Hey, don't, don't get into condemnation. You can't go back and make up for Monday. Monday's lost. But hey, Tuesday's here. We'll work out today. And we'll work out tomorrow. And we'll work out the next day. And we'll keep going in that patient endurance. The enemy tries to put us into stress looking for a reaction from fear instead of patient faith. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to look for a reaction of fear. So he puts you under stress. He puts you into stressful situations. He puts you into situations where you've got to move. You've got to act. You've got to do something. You've got to do it now. And he's got you sold on this thing because he's built up fear in you. You're anxious. Oh, I better move. I better do something. I better go this way. I have to. I have to. Oh, I, I must. And because of it, I'm not in faith... Faith that is patient. The enemy, has, the enemy tries to put us under stress looking for a reaction from fear instead of patient faith. It just wants to get you. The enemy just wants to get you to a place where you're convinced you've got to do something. How many times have you said that to yourself? i got to do something. 
I can't just sit here. I got to do something. And you meditate on that for a while. I got to do something. You'll come up with something to do. It may not be right. Now, Jeremiah 42. You should have found that by now. Now all the captains of the forces, Johanan, the son of Korea. And we got a whole mess of, mess of people there. We don't need to know who they are. Because really the way we're going through this, it doesn't make any, any difference who they are. Verse 2. Please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us in the Lord our, your God. For all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many, as you can see. And Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the things that we should do. And Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. Now, this is the situation. We didn't read the chapter before. You want to, you can find out the chapter before, but they had already been conquered and a governor was put over them. And there was an insurrection that came up and problems came out of that and people got killed. And they're nervous because the people that conquered them are going to be upset. They're going to be, they're going to come in and they're going to kill them. And so they're all convinced they're going to come out here. Babylon's going to come out here and they are going to kill us. So they come to the prophet Jeremiah and they say, what shall we do? What are they, what has been done to them? They have been put into a stressful situation. They have been put into a place where they feel like we need to act now. They have convinced themselves we must act. And unfortunately, they came up with an idea of what they should do. But they came to the prophet Jeremiah and they said, you go to the Lord and you seek after the Lord. You ask the Lord what it is that we should do. And he says, all right, I'll go ahead and do that. So they said to verse, uh, verse 5, so they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. <laughs> Boy, if you had a nickel every time somebody said that, huh? Whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you that it may be well with you, with us, when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. 10 days. Now, when you are under stress, when you are anxious, 10 days is a long time. Isn't it? It's not, it's not fast. I mean, how many times have you seen one of those things on the TV and you knew after you saw it on the TV that you had to have it? You didn't know before that you had to have it, but after you saw it on the TV and you saw the guy do the stuff he did with it, you knew you had to have it. And you couldn't live without it. I've chopped before. I've never chopped like that. I need to have that. I've blended before. I've never blended like that. I need to have that. I've shammed before. I've never shammed like that. I need to have one of them. Right? And so you see it. You see how good it works on TV and you've got to have it. And so you call them up and you order the thing and they say it'll be there in 10 days. Ten days. All right. Ten days. I mean, isn't ten days just forever? It's just forever. It's just because you're looking for, it should be here by now. And especially if ten days turns into eleven days. That sure won't be good. So after ten days, he went after seeking after God. Apparently he didn't hear anything from God on the first day. Didn't hear anything from God on the second day. This is Jeremiah. He didn't hear anything from God on the third day. Or if he did, God says, don't tell him yet. Well, whatever it is, after 10 days, I'm going to assume that he didn't hear until 10 days. And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he called Johanan, the son of Kareas, all the captains of the forces which are with him and all the people 
from the least even to the greatest and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will still remain in this land, then I will build you, then I will build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. See, there's fear. Fear produces anxiety. Anxiety produces distress. And now you have this thing, I, I must move now. I need to do something. I need to act. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, thus says the Lord. For I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercy that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God. Now, why in the world would God give them this? They already said, we don't care what, whatever it is you get from God, good or bad, we'll do it. But God sent this word as much as He did the other. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, well, we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, and there we will dwell. So apparently they had a plan. God knew they had a plan. Their plan was, we're going down to Egypt. That's a new plan for people of Israel, isn't it? Seems like we're always going back to try and do the same things we did before. You'd think they'd learn from the past, wouldn't you? Has it ever worked for Israel to go down to Egypt in the past? No. But it's going to work this time. We know it. Then hear now the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you wholly set your face to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow you close after you there in Egypt, and there you shall die. So shall it be with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there, they shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. And none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, As my anger and my fury have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. And you shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. And you shall see this place no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day, for you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord. Aha! For you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God says, so declare to us and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which He has sent you by me. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to go to dwell. It doesn't work so good when you have a, pl a, a plan already in mind and then go to God. Because if God doesn't give you that plan, what happens? But, I got the, but the plan, I know this will work. I, I, this one. This one will work. I know, we just gotta go this way. And God says, no, don't go that way. That way won't work. Oh, but I know it will. 
I know it will. Have you ever taken on a project and someone older than you who has done similar projects says that won't work? And you, and you always listen, don't you? Always, oh, all right. Well, if it won't work, I won't try it. No, what do you say? Well, it didn't work for you. It doesn't mean it won't work for me. We go out there and we give it a shot. Didn't work. You don't want to always come back and say, mm, didn't work. But they sent Jeremiah off with this, but they already had in their mind what they wanted to do. They just wanted God to put their stamp of approval on it. You see, they were in a stress situation. What Satan had done was he created a stress situation. There was an insurrection that rose up, killed the governor, and now they, and he put the thought in their head. Now he's going to see the king of Babylon. He's going to see you as rebels. And he's going to come in and kill all of you. He left some of you back over here to take care of the land. Now he's going to come back and get you all. He's mad at you because you killed his governor. He's coming for you. And they go to bed at night and here comes that thought. He's coming for you. You better do something. You better go some. And they, they all get together. We got to do something. Yeah, I've been feeling like we need to go. I have too. Where'd you think we ought to go? Well, I was thinking Egypt. That's what I was thinking. And they get a hold of somebody else. I was thinking the same thing. It came to me in the night. This must be God. God must be behind us going to Egypt. I think you're right. But just to make sure, let's get Jeremiah in on this. He's been, you know, hearing from God and all this. God's been speaking to him. Let's see what he has to say. So they go to Jeremiah and says, whatever God says, we're going to do it. All right, I'll go to God. And God says, all right, here's what they're supposed to do. But just, and God tells them the whole thing. But they came to you with hypocritic hearts. They had an idea of what they're going to do already. And they're going to do it even though I told them not to. That's why God spends so much time on the negative side of that. Don't do this. And they said, no, you're wrong. We all heard from God. We all know. You're wrong. We're going to go out there and we're going to do it. Because they got into this place where we got to do something. We got to do something. We can't do nothing. We got to do something. You ever been in a place like that? I got to do something. And really, you don't have to, but you'd think you do. I gotta do something. If I don't do something, I'm dead. If I don't do something, I'm finished. If I don't do something, I'm not getting out of this one. I gotta do something. And that thought comes in and all of a sudden something comes for you to do. And you are prime and ready. Just like Ahab before. His field was plowed. He was made ready for thoughts and suggestions. And stress has primed you, made you ready for thoughts and suggestions. If you go over here, it'll work. Oh, yeah. And the whole time, the devil's just sitting up there saying, how can we get this person out of the will of God and put him over here? Well, he already knows by now. All he's got to do is put you under stress. Because the Word of God says that faith and patience produces endurance, which means that you stay there doing what God said to do, being faithful to what God said to do, holding up to His commandments, doing what He said, believing what He said, holding on to His promises, not going to the left, not going to the right. Going God's way. That's what you need to do. That's the way that you need to stay. But no, we don't do it. We got, we got something else in mind and if God doesn't come along and agree with that, well, sorry God, we have a way and you just didn't line up with it. So we're going to go over here. Stress will do that. Stress will move you into wrong places to do the wrong thing because you think I've got to do something I gotta act on something. You get news at your job that hundred people are gonna be laid off. And you go to bed at night, what happens? You're gonna be one of them. I am, alright. Oh, 
I will be one of those ones late. I just know it. And then all the reasons why come into your head. First off, I'm not very good. There's other people better than me. I'm not, I've been there all that long. And uh, I, don't, I keep having to ask for pencils. Just, last, just, just yesterday I had to ask for a pencil. I was out of pencils. And they're probably tired of giving me pencils. They're just going to fire me. I mean, you can come up with all kinds of stuff. Stuff sets in. And you begin to become anxious. And you begin to think, Oh, no. I'm going to get, I know, I'm going to be, get, I'm going to be laid off. And so what do you do? You get moved. And you go out there and you start putting applications around. And you start finding things. Not because God said, Go move to another job. Just because you're anxious. i got to do something. And then the word comes down that you're looking for a job. Oh, we were going to keep them. But if they're looking for another job, maybe they're not happy here. Let's keep somebody else who's happy. <laughs> you can create some problems for yourself. Just listen to God. Just go before God. says, God, they're going to lay off 100 workers in there. Should I be looking for something else? God says, nope, just stay right there. You're going to stay put. All right. And you just go on and then still stuff comes in. Thoughts come in. People say things. And it gets you to be anxious. Once it gets you to be anxious, just resist it. When you resist it, you're producing patience. And how do you resist it? Father God, you said for me to stay here. You told me wherever I go, you'd prosper me. I asked you if I should leave. You said no. So I'm staying here. I'm doing what you said. So I'm not giving in to these thoughts. I'm not giving in to these fears. Just like we were talking about last week. You know, the news media wants to build up flu. Make you think that flu's coming your way and flu's going to kill you. and Oh, it's going to be bad. Oh, it's going to be horrible. Because if you get that flu, man, you're, you're dead. Only one person in this country died so far and they were in bad shape to begin with. But you know what's going to get you. You're going to be number two. <laughs> you're going to be the second. You won't even be the first person. You won't be the famous one. You'll be the second person. Who remembers the second person? And all these thoughts will come in. and Oh, oh, this is going to go on. And so then you start putting on a mask. And you start wearing gloves. And you're just walking around the house and the thought comes, you ought to wash your hands. Oh, I should. I, sh- I should wash my hands. And then you wash them and five minutes later, you better wash them again. I should wash them again, yeah. And you go out and you wash them again, you wash them again, and you wash them again, and you walk into the store and you see that Perel stuff and the little sanitizer. Oh, I need to have that. I don't know what I would do with I need to have I never had that before. But this would I could carry this in my pocket. You carry it in your pocket, and pretty soon you're you're burning through one in a day. Because every time the thought would come in, what's he doing? He's getting you to act. He's getting you to move because of anxiety, because of fear. Not faith. No, I'm not saying don't go out there and wash your hands. You can wash your hands if you want to. It's a good idea to wash your hands sometimes. Not all the time. But sometimes it's a good idea to wash your hands. Now, you know, guys and gals, we have different ideas about when and where to wash your hands. Most of you gals, if you come in from working outside, will wash your hands before you eat. Some of us guys will. Sometimes we will. Sometimes we... I mean, it's just dirt. Who cares? It's just dirt. I really don't care. Now, if I mean, if I'm outside and mess, messing with dirt, it's just dirt. That's all it is. Doesn't bother me. You know, you drop the M&M on the floor, it's just dirt. Nobody else wants it, I'll eat it. 
You may have a five second rule, you may have a ten second rule, you may have a sixty second rule. No, I do draw the line some places. If it's wet dirt, I don't all the time mess with that. But I don't. I, it's just dirt. Who cares? I've played football and eaten more dirt than I've taken off my hands when I've eaten something. I mean, you get your face ground into the into the dirt. You've got dirt and mud dripping off your face. It's going to get in your mouth. It's no big deal. You spit it out. You go on. So, you know, I understand we have different different ideas about that. So you wash your hands with you. But don't wash out of fear. Don't be doing that. Sometimes you ought to just, if the thought comes, you ought to wash because, you know, you've been touching a lot. Just, uh, just for that, I'm not going to do it. I was going to, but now I'm not. Show you, devil. I'm not moving out of fear. You've got to teach him. You've got to learn how to patiently endure. Just get out there and do that. Be patient. Endure. Father God, I thank you that you gave me the promise. Glory to God, that promise is coming. I thank you that you're going to fulfill what you said you would do. And you're going to accomplish it in me. And I'm going to patiently endure. Abraham waited 25 years, didn't patiently endure all 25 years, but eventually he got it. Joseph patiently endured for all his years. He got it. Noah patiently endured, worked on that ark for how long? 100 years. Patiently enduring. Going on. And you've been waiting two weeks. <laughs> Ten days. In the case of Saul, seven days. Got messed you up. Saul didn't have eight-day endurance. He only had six-day endurance. Seven day pushed him over the edge. It happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them. All these words that Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. How'd they know? Because he didn't agree with them. Right? Anybody who doesn't agree with you speaks falsely. When you were young, dating, you found that young lady, that young man, and you were attracted, and mom and dad said no, what were they? They were listening to a wrong spirit, weren't they? They were missing God. When your friend said, she's no good for you, they miss God too. Right? When other people who barely knew you said, she isn't right for you. What would you say? Man, all these people are missing God. Am I the only one who can hear from God anymore? You, don't, you didn't fix it, did you? Some, some people did. You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, do not go down to Egypt to dwell there. See, they already had this on their mind. And God knew it. So in the end, this is what happens with this. They decided to pick up Jeremiah. They said, we're going to take you down. We're going to take you down. We're going down to Egypt because we know that's what God said. You're not going to give it. You're not going to sway us with a false word. So we're going to take you with us. So they pick him up and they take him on down there with them. And Jeremiah is forcibly moved over to, to Egypt. And so he gets down there. He's down there in Egypt. In verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. They're down in Egypt. Maybe they should have left him home. Verse 9, Take large stones in your hand and hide them in the sight of the men of Judah. 
in the clay of the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance to Pharaoh's house, and said to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send you, or send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal pavilion over them. And when he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death the, those appointed for death, to captivity those appointed for captivity, <clears throat> and to the sword those appointed for the sword. I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them, carry them away captive, and he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd puts on his garment. And he shall go out from there in peace. And he shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh that are in the land of Egypt. In the houses of the gods of the Egyptians, he shall burn with fire. So they take Jeremiah down, down there and Jeremiah gets another word from God. You're not safe here. King of Babylon is going to come down. He's going to find you. He's going to take care of you. That's all it's going to be. So their stress situation produced a bad reaction. And you can go through the Word of God and you can begin to think of other people who were under stress. I wrote some of them in your, in your outline for you. Moses in Egypt. Was he not under stress? When he first started to bring the plagues, announce the plagues, wasn't he under a lot of stress? The people were mad at him because they got the, the straw taken away. Pharaoh was mad with him because he's bringing all these things upon him. He's under stress. And in the beginning, it threw him. In the first plague, it threw him. But then he straightened up and never bothered him again. That we see. Is it a stressful situation for Moses to wake up and see four million people, two to four million people outside your tent wanting to kill you? Is that a stressful situation? How many could feel, understand that stress? You've, you got felt stressed because ten people at work don't like you. Two to four million people rise up. We want you dead. You're not doing good. You're not God's man. Saul. I want to think about Moses again. How about Moses when there's no water? Is that a stressful situation? As the leader, is that a stressful situation? What's he do? What do you want to do about it, God? Eh, go over there, hit the rock. Water will come out. Now, when you have stress and stress is trying to make you do something and you hear something like hit a rock and water is going to come out, how many of you that's satisfying your stress? <laughs> yeah, all right, that'll work. I should have thought of that. Hit the rock, bring out the water. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. There's no food. Now, if there's no food for the two to four million people that are wandering around, is there also no food for Moses? He's not under stress. All right, we'll go to God and find out what's going on. Go to God. What do you want to do? How about if I just rain down bread in the morning? All right. He comes on out. God's going to rain down bread in the morning. Oh, yeah? Where do you get that idea from? We need, we need a leader with a real plan. Moses, your plans aren't too good. You come up to the, to the uh, Red Sea, and what happens? Well, we just stand here. I'll hold the rod out, and let's see what happens. I mean, you come here with, with no water, and you take the, the stick, and you hit the rock. That's not a plan. I mean, something good came out of it, but it's not a plan. And we're all hungry here, and you say, just get up tomorrow morning and pick up the stuff that's on the ground. We've never seen stuff on the ground. That's not a plan. We want you to do something, but we want you to do something. That's not a plan. 
And Moses said, that's what we're going to do. And how many times in battle did God give him plans in, in battle? Just didn't seem like they'd work. Moses was okay with it. But then we come to Saul, 1 Samuel 13. Saul didn't do so good. He had that stressor. And Solomon says, or I'm sorry, um, Samuel says, wait seven days. And he waited on the seventh day. He's getting anxious because all the people were coming up and saying, the Philistines are upon us. We're all here. We're ready to do something. You're our leader. You're the one who called us to come. Do something. And for a while, he said, well, you know, we're supposed to wait seven days. And so he appeased them with that. And on the seventh day, they're saying, you need to do something. You need to have a plan. You need to do something. Get going. Or else we're going home. And one group says, ah, that's it. We're done with this. We're just going home now. I thought we were coming here with a leader who had a plan. I thought we were coming under here with a leader who's ready to go out to battle. That's what I came here to do. Apparently, that's not you. I'm going home. And then another group of people, they came up and says, we're going home too. We're tired of sitting over here watching the Philistines getting stronger and, and they're all getting ready and we're not doing anything about it. We're going home too. And then another group came up and said, well, if they're going home, we're going home. Well, if you're going home, I don't want to stay here either. So they take their group home. And group after group after group are all leaving and going home. And Saul was feeling stressed before. Now he's really feeling stress. This is, this is, I got to do something. I got to do something. I can't do nothing. I've been waiting. That's what I was told to do. I've been waiting. But that's not working. I got to do something. And so he gets out there and says, bring the sacrifice to me. I'll, I'll make the sacrifice and then we'll go in the battle. All right. Well, at least that's a plan. So they bring him the, the, the stuff and, and he goes on. And as soon as he gets done, what happens? Samuel shows up and says, what have you done? David in 1 Samuel 24 and 26 is presented with his enemy. Here is Saul. He wants to kill you. And here you have an opportunity. He is waiting right here. Here he is. Is that a stressful situation? You have to act now. It's not like, you know what, let me pray about it overnight and think about it and let's do, we'll deal with this in the morning. No, this is now. There's, there's stress. you got to do something. He's been coming after you because he's coming after you. He's coming after all of us. You need to do something. David says, no, we're not going to do it. Then he gives him a second chance. Twenty-six. And they march on out there and, and they even, uh, they even say, hey, you need to do it. I'll do it. Abishai, he's ready. I'll do it. And I won't have to do it twice. One time's all I need. He'll, he'll be dead. He won't make a sound. I know how to kill him. Good. And to make sure he's quiet about it. He's ready. He just, I'll, I'll do it myself. No, no, no. Just get the picture. Get the spear. Let's go. David is under stress. What's he do? He stays faithful to what God says to do. His faith worked patience. It produced patience. Saul's faith didn't produce patience. He had the opportunity. He had to work out right there. Daniel and his friends. Daniel's in the, getting ready to toss in the lines there. We talked about that story before. Is that a stressful situation? Does Daniel seem to have any stress about it at all? It's because faith has produced patience. And he endures the tribulations and the problems that come along. His three friends, they're ready. They're going along and here comes the fiery furnace. Here comes the music. And he says, I'm not going to bow. They say, I'm not going to bow. What are they going to do? Is that a stressful situation? You got to do something. You can't just do nothing. You got to do something. You need to bow down. 
You bow down, this whole thing goes away. Just do something. Don't do nothing, do something. Come on. And the anxiety and the stress and the, all that's building up. They didn't do something. They did what God said. They produced patience. Last we looked at Jeroboam. Jeroboam, he's there. He's in a situation. He is in the workout room. Glory to God. If you get in the faith workout room, folks, don't leave without a workout. Because the faith workout room is just not around, always around the block. But all of a sudden, here it is. And he is in the faith workout room. He has the opportunity. The stress is there. The anxiety is, is there ready to be picked up. And instead of resisting it and producing patience, he accepts it. He accepts it. Now, how many of you have seen people with, uh, with the big weights and working out? You know, they're picking up the bench pressing. Where are they bench pressing? Two, three, four hundred pounds. You know, just so many bars on those things. It looks like the metal bar is bending because they're lifting this thing up. And if that bar were to, if his arms weren't going to hold it and that bar would fall and come down upon him, would it hurt him? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it would, that would cause some pain, wouldn't it? It would hurt him. So we could all conclude from that that gyms with free weights are dangerous places and stay out. Because you could die. Right? You could do. You could come to that conclusion. You could die. No. Stay enduring. You don't get to those big pounds right off the bat. You start off by lifting 40 pounds and then 60 pounds and then 70 pounds and then 90 pounds. Work your way up to 150 pounds. Work your way up to 180 pounds. Work your way up to 230 pounds. Work your way up to 280 pounds. And pretty soon you're pushing some serious weight. It's produced endurance. But when you get in there and you feel the stress beginning to come around you and you feel the circumstances saying you need to act. You need to do something. Do something. Don't do nothing. Do something. Stay faithful to what God has said. Go back to His Word of God. What, God, what does your Word say? It said not to be in fear about these, such things. You ought to go through the Word of God and see how many times you've been commanded, do not fear. How many times you've been commanded, do not fear. You know what we'll do the next time something happens? <gasps> go back to the Word of God. Do not fear. Sometimes he even says, do not fear or have any anxiety about anything. It's pretty clear. Pretty clear on that. Well, under, under pressure, will you stay faithful? When you get under pressure, will you stay faithful? Or will you give in to the fear, to the anxiety, to all the things that are going on around you? Or will you stay faithful? Stay a believing one. Father God, I thank you that your word said, I am healed. I thank you that your word said, you supply my needs. I'm doing what you told me to do in your word, and you supply my needs. I thank you that you said in your word that you'd prosper me in my job. I thank you that you said good things would come because I'm there. I thank you that you said that I'll be blessed going in and blessed going, going out. I thank you that you said that you will curse those who curse me. I thank you that you said that you'll bless those who bless me. Every once in a while, just let your boss know that. You know, you bless me, God blesses you. <laughs> let them know. You may as well, the Bible says it's going to happen. You may as well tell them. Stand up there, have some faith in it. And tell them. You bless me, God will bless you. That's all you got to do. Don't worry about them people who are trying to speak evil about you. Throw curses on you or stuff like that. Who cares? The Word of God says that whoever curses you, well, it's over for you. No, whoever curses you, they'll be cursed. 
Can you be moved off your principles? The principles of the Word of God that you have learned, can you be moved off of them? Can you be persuaded to get off of the faith principles and moved into the fear? Get off of the Word principles and moved in and, and whatever the world has said. I'm going to go with that. So what do tests and trials ultimately do? Tests and trials in your life ultimately do this. They put you in the workout room. They put you in the place where you can put your faith to the test and produce patience. Enduring patience. That you can have the patience like Moses did. Who when he's in Egypt, he can just go down and say, alright, this is how we're taking care of it. When he's in the wilderness, alright, this is how we're taking care of it. And he's at peace. He's got peace in his life. He's got joy in his life. All those things are taken care of. Under pressure, will you stay faithful? Will you stay faithful? Under pressure. That's where it counts. It's under pressure. Now, how many of you have ever fixed any kind of plumbing in your house? Anybody tried to do any kind of plumbing at all? Why is it some some of you folks don't do it? I'm not surprised more of you aren't out there raising your hand. I've done plumbing in my house and, and you haven't done plumbing in your, uh, a couple of people done plumbing. You know what motivated me to do plumbing? The plumber bill. I mean, that one time we were doing something in our kitchen. He was going to make more money in half a day than I made in an entire week. I could go out and work the whole week and wouldn't make as much as he made that I had to pay him for the couple of hours he was going to be in to do it. So you know what I said? I'll take care of that. <laughs> I'll take care of that. Absolutely. I learned how to sweat things in. I'm not saying I'm the best person to sweat it in, but I can get it done and it'll stay. And that's all I care about as long as it gets done and it'll stay. We want that to happen. <laughs> I told you before, now Keith and I were in here, we we're fixing the, the toilet. And so I, I now can say that I have sweated in joints in a tie. Had my tie on, had my dress pants on, had my dress shirt on, and I sweated in the joint. <laughs> Got the soldering thing out there and the, and the heat, put it all on, put the stuff on. Didn't get a speck on my, uh, my pants. Came in here and talked on Wednesday night in the same outfit. Glory to God. And you know what? The water's still holding in there. But I know what plumbers get. That's enough to drive you in to do it. But you know what? If you fix plumbing, you know, plumbing works perfectly everybody can fix plumbing and it worked perfectly fine as long as you don't turn the water on isn't that right as long as you leave the water off it's fine it's not leaking what causes it to leak when you put the when you put the water on now it's pressurized and if there's a problem there it leaks it's under pressure folks that's when your faith needs to work and God wants you to work out, work out, and work out, and get ready because He knows situations like Egypt await. And He wants you ready for it. And so He gives you opportunity to get into the workout room up until then. Test and trials produces patience. And I can handle it with all joy. I go in there just like, he, just like James said, with all joy because I said, Father God, You are getting me ready for what's down the road. You are getting me ready for what's down the road. Israel... Ten times they were tested in the wilderness. Ten times they had an opportunity to be in the workout room and ten times they failed. And when they came to the promised land and they faced the giants, what happened when they were under pressure? They crumbled. They leaked. They leaked. Don't 
be a leaker. Don't be a leaker. Be ready because the Egypts are coming. The times of tests in the wilderness are coming. The times are coming to the promised land to take the promised land. Those times are coming in your life. And God wants you to be ready. Understand this. The time that the promised land was coming was set. Now you get ready for it. And they had opportunity to get ready. And they refused. But the time is there. What is ahead for you? What tests are ahead for you? What pressure situations are coming your way? We don't know. If we knew, it wouldn't cause as much pressure when it came, would it? But God says, I know what's coming. And I have helped you out. I have set things in the path. And when you hit each one, you get the workout that they are. Just think of it like one of those parks. You ever seen those parks they have around here? And they have those little workout stations. And you walk from this section over here to this section. And you work that, do that workout. And walk from this section over here to this section. Do that workout. Just think of it like that. And God has things set up all over. And if you do them, when you get to the last one, He says, now you're ready. Now you can take this on. And you will succeed. And you'll enter into your promised land. But if you don't, it's not that God doesn't want you to get in. But you won't be ready. Would you all stand up with me?